on this episode of AV Week. The iPhone 7 was announced and no more headphone jack. Andy Murray loses his US Open match due to a DSP. And Infocom is making their classes available at college campuses. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Vadio. This is AV Week, episode 263, recorded Friday, September 9th, 2016. Two Bobs. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us this week. My buddy, my pal, one of the guys that, that tells me what to do. His name is Brock McGinnis from Westbury National. How are you, sir? I am fine. It's a great day in Toronto, Canada. Go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays. I almost said go go uh, Leafs, but it's not quite hockey season yet. Although um, they're playing. And the Blue the... and and the Blue Jays are well worth cheering for. <laughs> well, I'll trade you. Cardinals are not this year. So yeah. Um, also with us is Ren Taylor from Daylight. Hello, sir. Hello, Tim. Nice to be here today. All right, thank you. Uh, this week we got a couple of we're we're a little bit slightly resy, and I'm I'm going to explain slightly resy. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the iPhone, the new iPhone, um, DSPs, as well as Infocom having some college classes. Uh, first up, so the new iPhone is out, or the, at least released. It, it hasn't been uh, you can't physically purchase it yet, but the the big uh, show happened with Tim Cook saying, here's our brand new iPhone, it's great, it's wonderful, it's awesome, it's groovy, it's the iPhone 7, it's bigger, faster, stronger. Okay, the one, oh my gosh, it is religious zealotism that came out of this, this was the fact that I that Apple has removed the headphone connection. It is the end of the world as we know it, holy cow, and there are two, people, there, there is a stark dividing line here. People either think it is the smartest thing ever. I believe they use the word courageous, which I think is probably a little bit much. Or it is the death of Apple themselves. So here's here's the thing. The, 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 the headphone connection, the three and a half millimeter little dude you've got. I mean, let me show you my little Samsung, which still has the, you know, that thing, right? That little dude right there. That's the headphone connection. The iPhone 7 will not have one. We've been using this thing for 100 years. It is, in itself, is an analog connection. I'm just trying to explain it for, for the folks who are, are, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Now, I still use it from time to time. My primary is, though, Bluetooth, right? It's still, I, that's kind of what I've migrated to. When I, when I, when I walk in the morning, I, I use a Bluetooth headphone set. Uh, when I'm on the, on the plane, I, I typically use uh, another pair of headphones that also Bluetooth. So, Brock, moving forward, and let's be honest here, iPhones and, and, and iDevices, as well as other mobile devices, are something that we have to worry about connecting to our systems for both video and audio. 
how are we going to integrate these systems, the, these devices, that don't have our wonderful, magical three and a half millimeter connector? Uh, real simple, Tim. And the um, the electronics industry has been anticipating this for quite some time. People like Denon and Marantz uh, have preamplifiers with Bluetooth integrated into them for exactly this reason. Uh, most of the major audio console manufacturers are now introducing, and I, I would consider them prosumer grade because I'm not a big fan of the bandwidth and audio quality that comes through Bluetooth, but um, the uh, the manufacturers have Bluetooth built into uh, little plug and play mixing consoles. So I'm not uh, I'm not all not at all worried going forward. Um, Apple has been kind enough uh, to provide us with a dongle. That dongle is supposed to be shipping uh, with. Uh, at no additional charge, um, with the already you know well-priced iPhone Seven, uh, and so nobody's going to let uh, be stuck in the lurch, with no way to listen to music uh, as they jaywalk across busy city streets in Toronto. Well, you, hang on real quickly, you, you you mentioned the fact that you don't think that Bluetooth audio is is good, right? It, it's not as high quality as maybe something else. But it is what folks are using. I mean, right? I mean, it's 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 it, absolutely. It, it goes and, back to the the argument between CDs and and albums, or or right. MP3s and albums rather. Right, or cassettes. <laughs> or cassettes. Um, yes. I, I I don't and and Ren, feel free to jump in at any time here. Um, but uh, I don't think this is a big deal. People are accustomed to listening on Bluetooth. Uh, they're going to listen on Bluetooth. Their speakers are Bluetooth. Um, and their headphones are Bluetooth. We use them in our cell phones all the time. Uh, you know, I've got a Bluetooth connection in my car between my phone and and uh, and and the microphone and loudspeakers in the car. So this is not a big deal. But it's a red herring, I think, Tim, to to believe that Apple's objective is to get rid of the 3.5 inch to uh, jack to be able to convert uh, people to other headphone devices. Okay, yeah, I, would, I would agree with that for sure, uh, because it it seems like their mission here is to free up space inside the phone, right? No, I don't think so. I think their mission is to get rid of all the third party devices that are using that 3.5 inch plug, the payment systems, uh, the thermometers, the card scanners um, that are used at trade shows by so many people. Uh, that's what that jack was being used for. Uh, certainly in the business world, and those people were not paying Mr. Cook a royalty. And if they put a lightning connector on their scanner device now in order to properly interface and are going through that digital bus, rather than bypassing the digital bus and going to the, the um, uh, you know, through the headphone connector, Mr. Cook gets royalty and he gets to grow his business. Yeah, I can, I can see how Apple um will allow that integration of their business model to have more devices and more peripherals uh, filter towards them i still think we'll probably end up in a pretty transitional period for a while where people are getting used to this i'm a wired headphone person myself i've never really felt the need to buy a headphone that's more than about 30 or 40 dollars i can't really hear the difference unfortunately so uh right. un until a bluetooth headset has a pretty good reliable uh, battery life to it which you know we're improving month after month year after year then i would get on board with that um but i think 
you know, there, there is this transition period. And I know Belkin um, has come out with um, what is a transition piece, which is uh, another dongle that would allow you to plug in a lightning adapter for the headphone and also a lightning adapter for the uh, charging as well. So I think you might see that for a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, uh, Ren, if if you do if you do much traveling on, on on planes, I would suggest this is not a commercial for Sennheiser, but my favorite uh, traveling headphones are Sennheiser Momentums. They're not cheap, but they are the the sound quality in them is very good, and they do have a a um, noise canceling feature to them as well. So, and the battery life is pretty good. I mean, you're 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 talking. I mean, I I when last time we were in Amsterdam, I I flew over. And that was a five or six hour flight from Chicago, and they and they lasted the entire time. So, yeah, great tip. Yeah. All right, let's talk some more audio and a little bit. It was an interesting story. A buddy of ours from from uh, one of our, our guys at Aviation taught me this. It comes to us from ESPN. So let's start with that. Uh, apparently, Andy Murray uh, lost his his match at the U.S. Open after, and this is something that that he said after. A quote unquote long loud gong went off in the speaker system. You read down more of the story. Murray apparently talked to another player where the gong went off three or four times during the match. Now, uh, this was if the the whole story is there was apparently a DSP that went bad in this system. According to the, the facilities managers and the people that ran uh, the facility, they had to take the system down, install a new DSP and um, restart the system, all of which would take about a half an hour. Um, the system, uh, from what I understand, is a, is a PV media matrix and a, and a lab grouping. Don't do that. So so here's my question, and Brock, I'm going to start with you for a couple of reasons. First of all, you are not a stranger to sports facility installations. Correct. Right. Um, it, let's take the, the Maple Leaf Center. Right, Brock's from in Toronto. You yes. cannot take down a speaker system in double sudden death overtime, game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The last time the the Leafs were in it, you can't do that. Correct. How do you prevent and, something like this? Well, there there are there are two reasons you can't do that. One is that it would impact uh, in game experience for the fans. Uh, they wouldn't be able to hear the announcer screaming with excitement when the Leafs score that winning goal. But the but the biggest reason is that you've got 20,000 people uh, in a building, and uh, in the event of an incident, uh, they need to be evacuated. And in virtually all of the uh, you know large professional sports venues, the PA system is an integral part of the life safety system and the patron evacuation plan. So the DSP can't go down. And uh, in the case of the Air Canada Centre, there is a failover rack. Um, we have the same sort of scenario at the Rogers Centre, the uh, where the Blue Jays play uh, in Toronto. There is a failover rack. And I, I apologize to the nice folks at PV for having made a face. I don't know if that was visible or not when I heard the term media matrix. Um, I don't know, Tim, if uh, you know this was current generation Nyon product or it was legacy media matrix, what we used to call that product line uh, back in the day. But if it was legacy product, it is well past its best before date. Um, and uh, and 
um, you know, it, <laughs> they were probably due for an upgrade. We take care of uh, what is now called the Aviva Tennis Centre in Toronto, uh, where we have, you know, the kind of Canadian equivalent on tour uh, of, the, uh, of the US Open. I'm not sure, you know, how Flushing Meadows has been set up, but we have a, uh, we have a permanent loudspeaker system uh, installed in that facility that is primarily for community events. And then when the pros roll in once a year, we roll in uh, racks of additional amplifiers and additional DSP, um, and and it is uh, meticulously tested each year prior. And because it is a it's an event system, um, all of the electronics are backed up uh, by like electronics for an immediate switchover. And um, so I, I you know I can't speak to what what's happening with the, yeah. you know, inter internal tech team at Flushing Meadows or the uh, the contract people that are coming in. Um, we all know that electronics uh, will fail from time to time and they only fail when they're the most needed. Uh, and so, you know, the story here is not that uh, Mr. Murray was looking for an excuse uh, for having lost his match. He, he also complained on the weekend about how it was too loud inside with, when the roof was closed and it was impacting his, his uh, concentration. So he was already, you know, in a, in a bit of a, a funk uh, about the conditions, uh, the conditions inside. Um, it's about how long that failover change would take. And that failover change should have happened like that. Like that. Uh, and it, you know, it, the players could have taken uh, an additional break, uh, whatever it is they get, five to ten minutes. I, I'm not enough of a tennis fan to know what the clock is when they take their breaks. But um, but that should have been able to happen very, very quickly. All of the, you know, all of the programming is preloaded. It's simply being, uh, inputs are simply being switched over from one rack to the next. And the only thing I can think of is that um, is that the sound system there is as old as the last renovation on the venue and uh, the the operators the tennis association has not spent enough money uh, keeping that system um, tested and current uh, and uh, able to handle every eventuality uh, pro audio equipment audiovisual equipment is not like a toilet you don't install it once and only you know, address it when it gets blocked. Uh, these systems, uh, these systems need to be um, uh, looked at and tested and upgraded, uh, firmware upgraded on a regular basis. Ren, from from a manufacturer standpoint, how do you guys support people like Brock when they're going into? Let's be honest; these are high profile systems, right? I mean, obviously, this is a high profile event. It's part of the Grand Slam tour. It's it, it's a high profile deal. So how do you guys you know, support people like Brock and, and, and other integrators when they're going into a high profile venue, when, when, when your product is going into a system that, that simply can't fail? Well, you know, I think this is especially relevant for like electrically operated projection screens that um, Daylight makes, for example, where we have to show a history of reliability and a history of um, good usage with certain product lines. Otherwise, there is, even if it's just minimal risk level, there's a risk level out there mentally that, you know, 
it might be difficult to use this or to retract a screen or to move a screen up or down during an event because something might happen. That's like the worst thing ever, especially if you're depending on the projection screen to be your visual focal point for the entire um, audience. Uh, I was just at the Rogers Center back in July for the Mariners Blue Jays series. I'm, ah. a, I'm a lifelong Mariners fan. I mean, we're in my uh, Mariners polo today. And for an older stadium, and I've been around to a lot of parks in Major League Baseball, the sound system is pretty excellent for that stadium. So I would say an example like this, like we're seeing at the U.S. Open, just pinpoints that fragility of the AV system. And as Brock eloquently stated there, you have to have redundancy. If you don't have redundancy or you don't have um, faith in the system, you're going to end up with a disaster like this, which frankly on the AV side, this is, is a, this is a disaster. Well, and honestly, and the, the thing that really caught me was it was an ESPN story. <laughs> so right, it's, exactly. a, it, it, it's a disaster on all kinds of levels. Brock. But if I if I can just jump in and, yeah. and follow through on something Ren just said. Um, so we put that sound system in the Rogers Center when it was known as Skydome in 1998. Holy cow. Those, those loudspeakers are the same loudspeakers uh, that we installed in 98. The amplification, the digital signal processing, all of the switching... Uh, have all been changed, um, I believe now twice in the interim. Uh, we've gone from copper to fiber. Uh, it is a fully redundant uh, system. It is the certified life safety system. Um, we started with uh, BSS uh, green processing in there. It is it is now uh, BSS blue, SoundWeb blue. Um, in there, uh, everything is digital, the interface uh, to the broadcast, but the, the operators um, and the owners of the Rogers Center, the Rogers Communications, uh, they're a broadcast and a, and a yeah. uh, communications company first. They get it. And probably this year we will finally get around to, to replacing those, uh, those loudspeakers. But, you know, if, if a system is treated well, it's tested regularly, um, uh, you, you can get you know, a good long lifespan out of it. Electronics, um, uh, amplifiers can last a long time, but uh, elect electronics have shelf lives yeah. and uh, and best before dates, the power supplies, uh, even the power of the chips. We were able to do so much more with that system with current generation of blue chips than we uh, were a ever able to do, you know, with uh, those original 88 series uh, green chips. Yeah, and, and to expand on what Brock's saying here, I think this obviously highlights putting in a quality product first and having a good maintenance schedule for the life of the installation. And, you know, other things that come up, especially for projects that we do in Europe, you know, things like CE certification and TUV certification are yeah. critical when it comes to our, electric, our electrically operated products. Because for certain integrators, especially like in Germany, if you don't have that long checklist of things that are associated with the electronics, they just don't want to touch it. They don't want to bother with the risk at all. Right. Well, no, because it comes back on them, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, Brock, real quickly, and we'll, we'll get on to our last story here. How do you how do you get that conversation? You said Rogers, obviously Rogers Communication, a big broadcaster in Canada. They get it, right? They get redundancy. Yeah. They get that. Right. Yeah. But let's take my my backyard, uh, my hometown in St. Louis. Uh, we we have we have two venues. Um, technically we have a third, but we don't have a football team anymore, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we've got the, the Savage Center and we have Bush Stadium. 
Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are owned by broadcast companies, right? So right. talk about either Flushing Meadows or, or, or another venue where you have to start that conversation and a little bit of education to explain to them, this is what a service contract is, this is what it does, and this is why it's important. Um, the the uh, People who operate venues of that nature all know what they need to do. The challenge often is um, whether they're relying on their in-house operational staff to do that or whether they're hiring a a third party um, who has, you know, uh, far greater depth of resources and experience uh, to be able to do that. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a challenge and, and some internal venues, you know, they, they hire people whose uh, strength is in operating, not in maintaining. Um, and they hire some people who may want uh, to need to be in control of their environment. So they'll push back about having an outside uh, contractor in. Uh, the Air Canada Centre, where the Maple Leafs play this week, uh, I think we replaced about 15 drivers um, and did a in our our annual sweep every driver in every cabinet and uh, did our annual retune um, in anticipation of the World Cup of Hockey, which loads in next week. Yep. Uh, and it's not that you know the pro- product was defective. It's just that the system is now a number of years old, and uh, certain things fail. But they have an annual uh, regimen of testing. They they trust us. The in-house people know that their jobs already entirely fill their days, uh, and they need they need our assistance. And if something goes wrong, they really need our assistance. Um, and uh, uh, and as a result, you know, we've had a phenomenal relationship with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, that operates uh, that venue, uh, operates BMO Field, where the Toronto. Uh, Toronto FC soccer team plays, where we just put in a an entirely new uh, sound system for them. Um, it's a it, it, it's a codependence uh, trust thing. We're on their team. Um, uh, they give us the time and the funding to be able to take care of them well. And then, of course, if something goes wrong, it's our fault. Yes, that, that that's the other other side of that, unfortunately. So correct. No, but that that's important. Uh, you know, that's what we do for a living. Yeah. And our best clients are always professionals who um, who are the best equipped to understand that we're really experts and we're really good at what we do and they really need us. It's amateurs, um, people that buy systems once every 10 years that are unable to differentiate between our capabilities and two bobs in a truck. Agree. Well said, Brock. Yes. Two bobs on a truck. Good Lord. Two bobs on a truck. There you go. All right. Last story here. Uh, Infocom has started a, a new program where they're they're partnering with various colleges uh, around the states. I'm not aware of any in, in Canada, but they may very well be, where they're offering their curriculum. Uh, the story that we're going to use is, is from AB Network talking about Valencia College in, in Orlando. So what you've got is Valencia College specifically, they have a program for the AV Event uh, pr- Production Specialist. This person, the, the person that goes through that program, is going to go through a number of Infocom classes. When they walk out of it, they're going to be a, a fairly well-versed, and I would I would argue probably a little bit better than, than a, a normal green tech. 
Brock, first question to you. Is this is this something that Infocom should be doing? Is this something that they should be involved with? It, it, specifically talking about partnering with, with the colleges to try to get their curriculum I- into the universities. Uh, duh. <laughs> yes, yes, I think it's fan- No, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, we we talk about our recruiting issues. We talk about the next generation of uh, AV technical people. We talk about you know creating broader interest in our industry or and uh, through awareness. Uh, NSCA has that wonderful Ignite, Ignite program, program. Yep. that is carrying the message of of audiovisual out to the schools because people don't recognize us as a trade. They don't understand what we do, um, and as a result, our kids don't necessarily appreciate uh, audiovisual as a viable career option. So having this curriculum um, available for colleges, and my understanding uh, is that this is Infocom's second uh, kick at this can. They have another college they've already done it with in Florida. They provide that content for free. It's available to the students for free. Um, And uh, there are no losers in this equation. It's, uh, I, I think it's a great thing and it's a great extension of, uh, of Infocom's capabilities uh, and, uh, and pr- promotion of the industry. Ren Brock, Brock brought up a, a good point, and that's employees, right? The, the people that we get to bring into the industry. So I'll ask the question to you, where do we get, if, if, if not places like this and, and programs like this, where do we get uh, the folks, the, the guys and girls that we want to come up through the ranks and take over one day. Where do we get the, the workers for the industry? Yeah, I think it's a really tough question to answer in terms of, you know, how does the industry really make this exciting? Because, uh, you know, AV, unfortunately, tends to be a hidden industry. And that's really unfortunate because all of us that are involved in AV are obviously very excited about it and love it. And we all have our own stories about how we got into the industry. I ended up in the industry by accident. I was 27 years old and I had uh, circumstances in Philadelphia uh, where I needed to change jobs. So I came back home to see my parents and daylight came knocking about a month later. Then I ended up at daylight. I never intended to be a part of daylight, but since I've been part of the AV industry, I've loved it. And to the, you know, the changing generational aspect of the industry, I do a lot of training for daylight and I go see a fair amount of dealers. I go to a lot of events and it kind of hurts me sometimes that, you know, when I'm teaching a class or when I'm in a group of people, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm the youngest one in the room and I'm 35 years old. So anything and everything, especially this offering college classes that gets people excited about AV, I am for all the time because I want to see 20-somethings. I want to see kids that are just coming into this world of technology with exciting ideas, fresh ideas, new perspectives on technology. So if this is a great first bridge of how to do that, I think kudos to Infocom for doing it. And let's keep this rolling any way that we can because the more fresh blood and young blood that we can get into the industry, it's going to be better for all of us because Relevancy is always the key word. I'm, I'm sure you know Brock would agree to you know a term like that. You have to stay relevant with your clients. You have to stay relevant with um, the world around you. And the more that we're able to be youthful as an industry, the better for all of us, especially those of us that are going to be in the industry for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, one of the more interesting and, and a good icebreaker if you're just meeting somebody is to ask them how they got involved in the industry. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll find everything from roadies to former rock stars to if you ever meet Brock in person, ask him his because it's, it's even more interesting. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Uh, Mr. McGinnis, thank you, sir, as always. My pleasure. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or uh, or Westbury? Uh, Westbury is at westbury.com. Uh, I think I'm probably most visible on Twitter. My uh, handle is the same as my name, Brock McGinnis. Um, I'm brock.m at westbury.com. But uh, generally, I think they can just get a hold of me through you. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Because <laughs> you seem to be able to track me down. Uh, you know, when all the good guests are in New York for the weekend. Yes, I, I, I did see that. We'll, we'll talk about IoT in a second. We're gonna, uh, our guys were at the Infocom IoT yesterday. and Very cool. Sh- shot a couple of videos and, and did some cool things. We're going to be posting that on the site, too. So. Good, but thank you for uh, for having me again, Tim. Absolutely, sir. Al- always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Ren, thank you, sir. You're welcome. One too, one too terrible, was it? First no, it was out. great. Uh, Absolutely wonderful. If you need to get a hold of me, uh, like Brock said, um, I am at Ren, R-H-E-N, dot Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at Milestone.com. You can find all of Daylight's products, obviously, on Milestone.com or Daylight.com. And uh, I will give a a plug to uh, a couple events coming up, Cedia in Texas, uh, in Dallas next week. We'll have a presence there, obviously, showing a couple screens. And then Educause in Anaheim in October. So if you're looking to uh, see Daylight on the Road, uh, we'll be there. Uh, For the Canadian uh, crews up there north of the border, uh, we're starting our Canadian Road Show uh, next week, the Eastern Leg. So we'll be in uh, Halifax, Quebec City, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto over the next uh, four or five weeks. I believe I have received a an invitation from uh, our great local representation here in Ontario. Awesome. Thanks. Right, very good. Uh, well, Ren, Ren mentioned it. We're, we're going to, to see it ourselves. Uh, go by the website. You'll find a... Uh, Top of the of the page there, you'll you'll see a, a land a landing page, a CDS section, the whole bit. That's where all of the videos will go. All the everything that we do at at CDA when we go by Daylight's booth, we'll we'll put that there. So we land on Wednesday. Uh, we're having a tweet up on Thursday from four to six in the back beer garden. Um, our good friend um, uh, Olivia from CDA tells me that there will be a mechanical bull. Uh, at this, so we are providing the beer and and uh, libations. They're providing the bull, and what happens beyond that, I have no idea. Uh, I have never found that there has been a shortage of bull <laughs> on AV week in in Texas. Yes, you're right. So, uh, but yeah, we're, we're heading there too. Um, programming note: I will be in in Texas next week, so Mr. Tucker will be uh, in this uh, in this very chair. Um, our, our buddy Rich Fergoza and I will be coming to you from the show floor for about four or five minutes uh, at the start, and then George will, will, will take it from there. So, uh, But as for me and, and everybody here, go by the website. Uh, you don't have to follow me, but if you want to follow Aviation, it's Aviation uh, TV uh, on, on Twitter. But the website's where you can go. Uh, you can find out about all of our underwriters, the folks that help us make this happen, people like Milestone and, and, and Daylight. Um, avnation.tv avnation.tv you will find this program a host of others and uh, all sorts of really great uh, audiovisual industry stuff so thanks so much for listening thanks so much for watching this has been AV Week